I think I'm having an art attack. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Art Attack. Uh, I'm having a heart attack. Don't do that. No, art attack. I'm oh, having okay, an art then attack. that's fine. Yeah, I'm having oh, an art I attack. Oh, I just get the name of our show. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, I think I'm having an art attack. <laughs> What's up, everybody, and welcome <laughs> with your hosts, Lizzie Destan and Justin Bouet. Lizzie is a uh, very accomplished art history professor and writer and art advisor, and I am a painter. <laughs> I, I don't even do, do how, I don't even do house painting. Uh, the other day, I was we had hired my wife had hired somebody in the back to do the painting, and I was like, "Well, I could do that myself." And then I was like, "No, I can't. That's just too hard." <laughs> so I just realized that, like, I you know, it's funny when people when you say like, "Oh, what do you do?" and I say I'm a painter, and people go, "Oh, like you paint houses." Is that where people's minds go first? So I've I've heard that. Yes. Really? Isn't that weird? Yeah, yes, it's weird. that is. No, you have to say I'm a visual painter. I'm a creative and, within a visual art space. And then, do you work on the computer? No, I don't work on the Yes, I do work on the computer, but I also paint traditionally on an easel. I have a crank easel. If you guys want to hear it, that's me cranking my easel because we're in my studio right now. And that's what I work on, a crank easel. So today, Lizzie is... Bringing up a very interesting human being who I didn't even think I knew, and then she showed me a picture of her, and I was like, of course I know her. Who doesn't know her? Lizzie, do you want to just take it from here? Because this is your choice of topic. I am so excited about this choice and about this artist, Yayoi Kusama, who is Japanese contemporary artist. She's been prolific in the art world from the 1960s onward, she was trained as a painter. She's parlayed that into immersive installations, into design, into public sculpture, into corporate collaborations. Is there anything that Kusama cannot do? I'm not sure. And you guys probably know her for the Infinity Mirror Room, which was at the Broad. It's been traveling and it is... On Instagram, basically, it authenticates that you are cultured if you have a photo in the infinity room. And we'll get to that because I think that that installation is brilliant. And it's brilliant for reasons that are incredibly clever and subversive on Kusama's part. And I want to start with the beginning of her career because she had a hallucination when she was young, and she was painting traditionally on an easel, whether it cranked, I can't know. And all of a sudden, all of her dots that she was painting, she's known for painting these polka dots, they extended beyond the logic of the canvas and onto the world. And everything in her mind was just covered by this screen, this decorative screen of dots. And then she began to explore this concept of overindulgence in a thing. And she did these incredible sculptures where she would take a found object, let's say shoes, so something that was illustrative of domesticity and specific to women, so high-heeled shoes. And she would cover them in these phallic protuberances, so all of these handmade 
phallic-like flaccid sculptures. And what's so great about that is that there is this master narrative of the importance of the phallus and how the phallus rules the world. But it's almost funny when it when the, it's not just one phallus, but there are thousands. And so she's almost mocking and undermining that master narrative of male power. So, of course, I love that. And it's interesting because she transitions to more immersive installations. So it isn't just these sculptural objects, but these gigantic rooms that she transformed. And she would photograph herself sometimes within those rooms. Often she was nude, covered in dots. And what I find interesting about that practice is the fact that critics were so negative. They demonized her as a narcissist. And I think that's because of her normative beauty. She's a very attractive woman. And she was exposing the dual otherness that she has to navigate every single day. The otherness of being a Japanese woman, but also, or Japanese, but then also a woman. And I want to hear your thoughts, but then just remember this concept of narcissism, because we're going to circle back to that when we discuss the infinity room. And this is something that she has had to withstand throughout her career, regardless of what type of work she's producing. Wait, what did you say? No, I'm kidding. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're like, I just Imagine. took a little nap. Yeah, I just took a nap. No, um, on a bed of phallic protuberances. Yeah, I'm like, wait, what? What, did, what is Lizzie talking about over here? Are we? Who are we talking about again? No, I'm kidding. Yeah, uh, you know, I. This is not my world, the contemporary art world. This is not my scene. This is not my space. This is not something that I. The this this whole uh, contemporary world is something I actually for the most part, don't like. But when I see her work, I love it. And the reason why I love it so much is because it is very, uh, it's it's just beautiful. You know what I mean? You can't deny the fact that it's actually uh, designed in an eloquent way, much like the Japanese artists that came before her, the the Hiroshige's, the Hokusai's. There's a, there's a real holding back, you know what I mean, with that work. It's, it's very simple and beautiful, and there's such a softness to it. Even though that's, it feels like polka dots, polka dots, loud, loud, there's, it's not. It's, it's designed in a way that's really, uh, the color combinations are beautiful. It feels like another reality, and that's another thing I like about it. it. It just, to me, it brings me to this kind of mad, mad world of Alice in Wonderland, or this other dimension a film. I feel like I'm in a Terry Gilliam film. I just feel like it's a, there's a filmic quality to me. And obviously it's very designer. Like you look at her work and she herself is a piece of art, right? Her short red bob cut is so cute. And her style, she's got like mad style. And I was saying before we started the podcast, I, I just hate looking at her because she's dressed so cool that I feel like a homeless <laughs> person. Every time I like everything about my dress is like, you know, right now, for example, I'm wearing like Viking socks with Solomon shoes, uh, shorts with paint on it, and a dirty Hollywood uh, sweatshirt. And my hair is like a hot mess, and I'm wearing an Apple Watch. So everything about me is just not together. It's all over the place. There's like 80 different styles happening at once, and it's confusing. It's like half a homeless, half a just, what the fuck's going on with you? What's wrong with you? Are you okay? (laughs) Did you even look at your wardrobe when you picked it out? She not only picked her wardrobe out, she designed it with such cleverness and beauty and elegance. And even what she draws 
and paints is what she wears. Everything is interchangeable. Her world is like she's stepping out of her world. I bet her bedroom is like one of her paintings, which is like one of her shirts, which is like her hair, which is like her lipstick, which is like her shoes, which is like, you know, her books. Which is like her hallucination. Which is like her hallucination. And yeah, I mean, she when she was young, she seemed like a real trippy-dippy hippie. Definitely. You see shots of her young and how... Did she do a lot of drugs? I, I have, have no, no idea. idea. <laughs> right. I, I, Jinx. I no, no, but one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Lizzie. Okay, you're okay. You're free. No, but uh, it feels like she might have had this kind of thing. And yet, if any other artist was doing this, it would be cheesy. There would just no way. She has an aesthetic quality just and a color understanding. I always say that women have a better understanding of color. Like color is one of those things that you're born with or not. The most important things in painting, at least from my perspective, are shape, value, color. So color is the least important in terms of a, a great painting. But, and, and you have to learn color. Either you, you learn it to a high, high, high level, and you still might not even be great at it. But if you're born with it, that's going to make a difference. And I feel like she was born with a great sense of color. And color is what? Not just color. It's not just your choice. It's color combinations. You could choose the weirdest, most bizarre pink, but what is that pink with? She chooses beautiful color combinations all the time because A, women have a better sense of color. They just do by nature. And she has a better sense than most women do, you know, on top of that. So she's just... She's just really like style. She's just all style and flavor. Style, but also stylized. And it's yeah. interesting that you say that you see some restraint in her work. And I get that design element wise. I do think it's restrained. But specifically when she conceptualized her practice in the 60s, it was actually about complete overindulgence. And at the time, the people who were most prolific and most accepted by the art world were the minimalists people like Donald Judd. And she knew Donald Judd very well. I believe the two of them shared a studio at one point. And Donald Judd is all about visual restraint and simplicity and the denial of the artist's hands and things being reproduced in quite, uh, quite seriality, but without the artists touching it. And Kusama maintains some elements of minimalism, especially with her repetition of the polka dot over and over and the production quality of much of her work. However, it is so much more vibrant and it's so much more sexualized than anything that the minimalists were doing. And I think even the basic design of the polka dot is meant to explore sexual themes because the circle, it could connect to the womb and to circular forms that are present on female bodies and knowing that Kusama was really well-versed in these things and that her ideology was of a feminist bent, I believe that this was an intentional choice. I mean, I don't know about that. I mean, you're saying, <laughs> well, the circle is... is well, yeah, it's a it's womb. Very it's feminine the start. It's it. the beginning of everything. Yeah, but Genesis. It's, it's, yeah, it's the asshole, too. It's the pupil as well. It's the, you know what I mean? It's the sun. It's the male sun, I Apollo. I get that, totally. But then when it's juxtaposed with these very literal phallic objects, I think the gender dichotomy is really explored. So 
maybe when you go to the infinity room and you see all of those LED lights, Mm -hmm. you're not going to think of a womb. But when you do see them in her earlier objects, then these themes and disentanglement of domesticity, uh, those themes, I think, become a little more obvious. Okay, well... Whether you're reading into it or not, I mean, I, for me, when I see all the polka dots and I see the color schemes, to me, it looks like the wild mushrooms. You know, to me, it says like uh, psychoactive Amanita muscaria mushrooms of like epic proportions. You know, you eat it, it makes you smaller. You eat it, it makes you taller. You know, and you, it just feels very, just, uh, just very hallucinogenic. A lot of her stuff feels like. Uh, yeah, acid trips and just, just it's it's out there. Like her stuff's really out there, and I feel like it is very avant garde. You know, this is not the kind of thing that's necessarily relating to the average person on the street. You know, it is definitely a highbrow avant garde contemporary art style, without a doubt. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And I think that the way that you describe the way that the dots resonate with you versus the way that I describe them as resonating with me, that just sort of illustrates the point of conceptual contemporary art because we interact with the work through the lens of our own experience. And sure. my lens happens to be a feminist one. And so when I see a dot, I'm going to be more inclined to see a womb or some sort of feminized genesis. As where I'm an asshole and I see an asshole, <laughs> or I just, or you, or it's either well, that or mushroom. drug. Yeah, and I saw magic <laughs> mushrooms. But maybe I look. You know, you're right. It doesn't really matter. Everyone's going to see it and experience it in their own way. And you see, like when you go to the, when you go to shows, and you know, Manny went to the mirror. You know, saw all the mirrors, and you loved it, right, Manny? He thought it was really cool. So let's go to the mirrors because this is the way that people today have connected with Kusama's work. And I remember going to the Broad. You have to get there really early, put your name on a list. They contact you. It could be seven hours later. They give you a 10-minute window to return. And then once you return, you have to wait in another line, give them all of your bags, and then you go in. And it's this small room that has a little bit of a moat and so some water too. And it's just completely overrun with mirrors. And then these LED lights start flashing and you only have a set amount of time in the room. I can't remember what it was, 13 seconds maybe, but it is really, really limited. And so the only thing that you have time to do is take a photograph of yourself And herein lies the brilliance of her project, because this woman, who has for 40-plus years been told that she is a narcissist, been vilified for exploring and exposing the beauty of her own nude body, now she's flipping the script, and she's forcing not, well, forcing is the wrong word, but she's encouraging that her viewers become the narcissists. I challenge you to find a person who has gone into this room only once and not taken a photo. I've been in it a few times, and so I didn't take a photo, but that was only because I had already taken a photo of myself in it the first time I went. So she is reconstructing the analysis of narcissism within our digital self-obsessed age, and now we're the ones who befall the trap. So good. And I've never 
read Kusama any account that she's given about whether this was her intention, but this was my interpretation of the show. And I just think that it's stunning. And especially knowing her career and the trajectory that she's made, I just think it's it's the coolest, um, best thing there is. Well, she looks, you know, it looks like you're in the cosmos, right? I mean, you would imagine what that would look like. And I feel like that's what is happening when you go into this room full of what looks like millions and millions of lights and mirrors and you just feel like you're in the cosmos and I feel like that's cool. So why not take a picture of you in the cosmos? I don't know about everything, all your interpretations. You certainly do read into everything (laughs) you're reading into this at this very moment, what I'm saying. Uh, But what, but I think like you said, it doesn't at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. You know, the end of the day you're going in there. Some people are like, Oh, that, you know, I've heard people like, yo, that was really cool. You know what I mean? Why? I don't know. It was cool. Like, it just looked cool. Or it made a really good photo. Or it's going to be my profile pic. Or it was great because I saw the co- you know the cosmos. Or it was great because it really felt like I was, you know, back into the universal, you know, amniotic fluid of the womb. Whatever it is to you. It's all, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You, well, it matters immensely, but... I don't think that there is one sealed interpretation of any of her work. And I agree that seeing a polka dot as a vagina could be a reach for some people. But I think with the interpretation of the mirror room and the reason why we're compelled to take a photograph, I think that that is a lot more straightforward of a criticism because... In today's digital age, you don't doesn't experience count if you don't document yourself doing it and then post it for throngs of people to see. I'm not sure. And I think that the mirror room, it illustrates this desire to authenticate experience by documentation. And I think that's why people take a photo of themselves, not so they have an image that feels like they're in the cosmos. I think they're doing it for Instagram, for the feedback from other people that they're cultured. Well, that's shallow. <laughs> that's, well, yeah, <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> that's the so that's they're, the narcissism they're... point. <laughs> yeah, well, who knows? She does cool shit, right? <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm sure a lot of people consider her a really important artist, and obviously, other art critics think she's a she's a self obsessed narcissist. But I like you know, I just like her her style you know it's just one of those things like some people have cool style and she has cool style like she's just i i love the photos of her when she's wearing her paintings right when she's wrapped in her paintings and then there's a painting behind her of what she's wrapped in like that it just looks really Cool. Oh, yeah. It's sexy. It's fashionable, which definitely explains why corporations and fashion houses like Louis Vuitton would want to partner with her. And I think another valuable aspect of her work that we don't need to really get into, but that should at least be mentioned, is that art for her is a vehicle through which she's able to maneuver around her personal trauma and her emotional demons. And Kusama she checked herself into a mental facility in Japan and that's where she lives now. And she works in her studio, which is, I believe, still across the street from the facility every day. And then she returns to this place. And 
Yeah, and so she has. I said, did not know that. Um, um, you learn a lot of stuff on this show. We Jesus both do. Christ, what a great show! Art Attack. <laughs> Check it out. Tell your friends. Look how you're learning. Artists that you didn't even know about are living. So you're saying that she's living in a mental facility, but then goes across the street and works in her studio and comes back and sleeps at the mental facility. Yes, and she has said multiple times that without art, she would have killed herself years ago. So is that kind of like the thing where you know, like? that dogs are living in a cage and they come out and the the doors open, but they feel so comfortable in that space, even though it's a cage, but they go back and they sleep in there because it's just comforting. Like, why does she need to live in a mental facility? I think it's because she, she is, just, is she struggling like unwa- through a lot of mental demons and it is totally a choice for her self health and help that she returns to a place when she knows that psychologically she needs it. I don't think that it's because she feels trapped. I think it's actually what frees her. Right. That what well, that was that was to my point that like, you know, sometimes I guess but I'm wondering if she is she medicated, who knows, right? Yeah, I okay. I don't know. I just know that art is a way an inroad for her out of her trauma and we've talked about that before and so it adds a little bit more gravitas to the work itself, that, of course, it operates on these multiple levels. It is perhaps narcissistic or within that space. It perhaps encourages us to be narcissistic. It is decorative and beautiful and disruptive and immersive, but it also has this deeper intention to the artist. And I think that all of these strains need to be at least understood in order to properly approach Kusama's work. And before we wrap up, If you guys are in L.A. and if you do not have access to the Broad and don't want to spend nine hours waiting in line to take a two-second picture of yourself, you can find Kusama's work in Beverly Hills. And there's a sculpture garden, which is phenomenal. There's a work by Abakanovich. There's a David Smith. Just these uh, Plenza. Fantastic public sculptures that are free and anybody can enjoy them. And the one that Kusama did, there are these big tulips, and they've all been overrun with her signature polka dots. And this is actually the first time that she ever made a public sculpture in the United States. So it's important. L.A. is an epicenter of the art scene, and this is just another example. Cool. Well, now we know a little bit more. I, <laughs> I certainly do. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Peace.